This morning we're heading into a new series on neighboring, and this summer we're going to head into a series on prophets. So today is kind of a combination of introducing both of you, both of these together. And um, I have four things that I believe that are both significant to our neighbors and to the prophets. Here they are: fear, how we live, relationship. In service. Can I get a little head nod on that? Yeah, I believe, I believe that could be true. Prophets present the hope of the Messiah, the hope of God's coming. We, when talking about neighboring, we need to remember that we are being good neighbors so that our friends, our neighbors, can find the hope in the Messiah as well. Sometimes we get, get our heads in a different place with that. We think we're just being nice people. But the reality is, we're doing it so that they might come to know who Jesus is. Now, I will say that prophets sometimes are a little abrasive, sometimes seen as kind of mean. We don't usually like to hear from prophets, whether it's the prophets of Scripture or the modern-day prophets, right? Because they're telling us, you did something wrong usually, and this is how you need to get your life right so that you can be in relationship with Jesus. So this morning I picked Isaiah because Isaiah's much nicer than that. He's eloquent, he's encouraging, and I felt like in the world we're living in right now, we really could use some encouragement and some coming alongside and someone to build us up this morning. And so Isaiah can be that prophet for us this morning. Now keep in mind as I go through these these four different steps, phases, don't see them as real linear. We oftentimes see things as it has to go in a specific order, but has anybody found life to be that way? No, it's so not. So so even though I'm going to give them in an order, you don't have to keep them in order. They might come out of order. Um, in your actual life. So that being said, I'm going to start with fear, but fear could be anywhere um, in here. Verse 10 from Isaiah says, So do not fear, I am with you. Do, Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. We all have fears, right? But sometimes we think that even our neighbors, we forget, that our neighbors have fears as well. We're very in touch with our own fears, right? They're all inside of us and they're raging inside. But we forget that our neighbors actually have fears as well. Now, God knew that fear was going to be a big issue, so much so that it's mentioned about 70 times in Scripture, the command to do not fear. He knew all of us would be afraid at one point or another, but I'm guessing because he mentioned it so much, he knew it'd be a constant in all of our lives. Now, who here is eight years old or younger? Raise your hand. Eight years old or younger? Yes, Gwen, I see that hand. Kenny, I see that hand. Tommy, did you just go above eight years old? Are you older than that now? Yeah, yeah, he's so old now. Okay, so when I was your age and younger, Cole, I see that hand. When I was your age and younger, I was afraid. And the only time I was afraid really was 
at night. Anybody can relate to this? It was some li- somehow when the lights would go out, it wasn't I was afraid of the dark. I was not afraid of the dark. But I just started to think of scary things when it was dark. And so I had the tendency to have more nightmares than positive dreams. And I was that kid who would sneak into my mom's and dad's room at night and I would stand bedside. Anybody feel this? Right? Right? And the, the eye co- eyes were like about this. And I'd go like this. Mom. Anybody had this experience before on one side or the other? Mom. Mom. And then she, she'd wake up and my little eyes would meet her little eyes. And I would terrify her in that, in that moment. And so now both of us are very afraid. But the thing she would always do is she would lift up the covers And say, climb in. And then I was fine. But it was around this age that either I got too big or my little sister beat me to the punch. (sighs) That I was no longer welcome in the king-size bed with my little spot right in the middle. My mom would send me back to my room. So when my Sunday school teacher said to me, Diana... You don't need to be afraid, and here's why. Jesus Christ died in your place. Jesus died so that you could be with him for eternity. Because the reality was, I was afraid to die. That was what I was thinking about when I went to bed. I was afraid of tornadoes and fires and bad guys. And so I was playing this all in my head. And that day, everything changed. Jesus changed my life that day. I prayed a little prayer with that teacher, and I went home and I slept well for probably the first time in a long time because I knew I no longer needed to worry about dying anymore because Jesus and I were going to be in heaven together. Now, you might be thinking, what does this matter? I'm all grown up. I don't have fears like that anymore. They're different, aren't they? They're different. We have new fears. That day is when I first understood the gospel message. Your friends need to understand the gospel message. In your sermon notes, you can write down that friend or you can draw their picture. If you're starting to picture that friend that has never heard the news that they could have eternal life and no longer be afraid of death and dying. Might be helpful if you wrote down your own fears or maybe the fears that your friends might have. Still today, as fears rise up in me, the best way for me to combat those fears is to pray. And that's what I was doing as a little kid laying in bed. Jesus and I were now having a conversation. I was engaging with him, and everything changed. That day, I understood the verse 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. That was, that was real to me that day. 
It came alive for me that day. The Holy Spirit allowed me to understand that at the young age of eight. I felt it at the depths of my soul. I was gratefully comforted by these words as well. In John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do your neighbors believe this? Let's go back to Isaiah's encouraging words for a moment. In verse 13, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. God knows that we will experience fear here on earth. That's normal. But Jesus doesn't want us to have to live in it. He wants to free us from that. Just like when we sang this morning about freedom, he wants us to be free from anxiety and stress and worry. Our fears can hold us captive. Can you feel that? Have you ever felt that before where you're just captive? He wants us to be free from that. He went to the cross so that we could be free from that. He went to the cross so that we could experience true freedom. At the end of worship today, we're going to sing, It is well with my soul. And I love It is well with my soul because at the beginning of it, it names It's not all okay in this world, but within my soul, because Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my soul, it is well. How do we get it? How do we get this peace, this freedom from stress and anxiety and worry? It says right in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, easier said than done, right? Have you ever had a doctor say, you need to have less stress in your life? No, duh, right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. It's always good to share our requests with one another. It's always good to lift one another up in prayer. It's always good to come to the great creator and ask him to heal us and to free us from sin and anxiety. And today we actually will have an opportunity. You probably maybe saw these two pieces of paper on the wall. There's one up here and one in the back. That you'll have an opportunity to write your requests for prayer on this wall. But it's not just going to stop there. We're actually going to pray for one another as well. And I'll get into that. But you can ask for prayer for fear. 
that you have yourself. Or you can be lifting up your friend or your neighbor. Whatever you want. You can write up words of thanksgiving as it commands in, in Philippians here. Whatever you need, this is a time to come together as a community and pray for one another. We have this gift to offer our neighbors. We can tell them that there is a God who wants to hear from them. A God who wants to come and be with them. We can offer our friends freedom from fear and anxiety as well. We freely give because Christ has freely given to us. This, this week in our small group, um, the junior high girls small group, it's Lulu and Ava and Michaela. We were, I, I said, if Jesus were to walk in the room right now and sit down right here, what would we ask him? You know what every question was about? Heaven. So fun. I love those questions. And you know, when I was their age, I had a lot of questions about heaven. But the most disturbing part about heaven for me Forever is a long time. I wasn't really on board for forever or eternity. I I, I thought this couldn't possibly be very much fun. And as as I said that and admitted that to this group of girls, their heads went like this. Yes, it's a long time. And then I realized it was because I was alone. I had pictured myself alone in heaven. And I was like, oh, that is a problem. Because when you're in junior high, being alone is the worst, right? So bad. I realized that day I wanted my friends to join me in heaven. So in eighth grade, I was feeling bold and confident. My youth ministry, my youth, youth leaders had taught me how to share the gospel. So I was like, all right, it's time. I'm going to get some friends into heaven with me. So I was hanging out with this friend and I, I asked her, I said, so if you were to die today, where would you go? Yeah, I did. I was like all in. And she said, heaven. And I said, oh, why? And she said, because I'm a good person. And I was like, all right. Well, here's the truth. We're all sinners, and we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so if you pray and accept Jesus that he died on the cross for you, then you get to go to heaven. I was like, Great sermon. Yeah, I was feeling good about this sermon. And she looked at me and she said, why would I want to be like you? Yo, I know, right? Yee. I was so convicted in that moment. I was frozen and I did not know what to say. But what I knew was she was extremely nice. She was kind to everyone. I was not. I was even mean to my friends. I thought it was funny to be mean to my friends in hopes that I would actually gain more friends. Guess what, guys? It doesn't work. I was wrong. And that day I realized that my friends actually are watching how I live, and that matters to whether or not they would follow Jesus. I was heartbroken. Because I had blown it. I was the one, I still feel responsible for for Cindy. Because if I had been a better human, potentially she would be a follower of Christ now. 
Ephesians 5.1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must be no hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. And this is where I was falling way short in junior high. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. I was convicted that day. I love to be able to sin and claim God's grace. I felt like it didn't matter. I could do whatever I want because I was forgiven. But the problem was my friends were watching, and I was convicted that I had given Jesus a bad name. I felt horrible. I really wanted my friends to have the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Now, I will say there's um, someone in this room who did a way better job at this, so I'm going to invite up my friend Emily Burks and her friend Annalise Campos. Emily invited Annalise to church several years ago, and Emily invited her best friend to church because she knew it had the potential to change her life. Now, if you don't know Emily, this is Emily Burks. Her dad's Mr. Larry, and her mom is Heather, and this is her friend, Annalise. I've known Emily for 13, almost 13 years. Can you believe I've known you almost 13 years, Emily? So I met you when you were three. Ooh. Wow. Now, Annalise and I became friends on her 12th birthday. We know this because that was the first day she came to Oasis. On her birthday, can you believe that? She talked her friend into coming for her birthday. (laughs) Now, the three of us have built up a really good friendship. And as I was mentoring Emily for confirmation, we would talk about Annalise in a good way and talk about how she would want to come into a relationship with Christ. And then the two of them came to every event in Oasis for the rest of that school year. And during the summer, we'd gone to a baseball game for a youth event, and it was that day that Annalise found out that I was paid to be her friend. (laughs) I thought that might be the end of our friendship, but Annalise is here to tell you the the next part of the story. (laughs) Hi, guys. So today I'm going to share how Emily inviting me to church began my personal relationship with God. So four years ago in March of 2014, Emily took me to Oasis for the first time. And it was my first time attending a church that wasn't Catholic, which is what I'd grown up with my whole life. And this experience was intimidating at first, but after that night, Emily and I had a good time, and I realized that I wanted to go again. So after that week, Emily and I went to youth group for the rest of the year. And at Oasis, I met so many great leaders, and this prompted me to get more involved with worshiping God through things like youth group camps and um, service. So um, I truly found what way of worship I enjoyed, and I stopped simply going to church once a week, and I found the presence of God in my everyday life. I've come to understand that God is not something far away, and he's with me on my journey, and he's with everyone, too. Um, The year I started attending Naperville Covenant Church, despite my young age, I learned more about God than I ever have before. And since 2014, everyone here has helped me achieve the relationship I have today. 
Um, the leaders here have prayed for me when I needed someone to pray for and reached out for me when I needed someone to care for me. If I was never invited to church that day four years ago, I would have missed out on a personal relationship with God. And because of my experience, I think that everyone here deserves the same opportunity I've had here. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. This is why we do what we do, church, so the kids can come to know the loving and saving grace of Jesus Christ. That night at the baseball game, we went back and we pulled in the parking lot and I saw that the fellowship hall light was on. I was like, oh, it's 10 o'clock at night. I don't want to go in the building, right? If you had this experience before. And um, so I was like, I'm, I said to the girls, I'm like, I'm going to run in, turn off the light and I'll come back out. And Annalise is like, can I go with you? And I was like, oh, it's going to take so much longer. Yeah. So we went in and she's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me a second. And she walked into the middle of the fellowship hall with awe and reverence, and just looked around, and she's like, I miss being at Oasis. And I feel like if I had done my usual thing, like, no, stay right here. (laughs) We're going home. It's late. I would have missed that little holy moment that she had with God. That's where she met God. So, of course, that space became sacred to her. We need to remember that our friends need and want Jesus. They want that deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You might think they don't, and they might not know they do. But they do. They want it. And Emily was smart enough to know that she could invite her friend and keep inviting her friend and keep inviting her friend until it happened. Until it happened, she was willing to walk alongside her and be a part of her coming into that deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Now last summer, Annalise, Emily, and I were paddleboarding down the DuPage River. It's about this deep, by the way. And we were gently gliding, it took way longer than we thought it would, down the river, go when it's a little bit wetter. And a voice said behind me, hey, Diana, and it was Annalise, she said, I get why you're paid to be our friend. (laughs) This is when youth pastors freeze. Yeah? It's so we can know about this Jesus thing. That's exactly why I'm paid to be your friend. (laughs) We need to engage with our friends at a deep level level so that they can get this Jesus thing and come into deep relationship with him. More recently, our friends are going beyond just this deep relationship thing, and they are wanting to see us serve. They are wanting to watch us change the world. Have you noticed this in life? They want us to be making a kingdom difference. Now they wouldn't say those words, but they want us to be transforming the world. This week I had lots of conversations. In fact, the last couple weeks I have lots of conversations with the high schoolers about gun control. They have some good ideas. You should talk to a high schooler about this. They know what they're talking about. You know what's really encouraging about that? Guess who's next to be adults? The high schoolers. 
we should be thinking about how, whatever it is, that we can actually be taking action to change the world. Change what's going on in our society. Be a part of what God's doing, even if it means something that seems political. Doing something that is biblical, like keeping people alive, right? Jesus wants us to be world changers. Some more words from Isaiah, our our, our encouraging prophet, verses uh, 8 and 9. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, oh, whom I've chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners. I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. We are called. We are called to be a servant. Now, we don't always like that word servant. But when it comes to being a servant of God, I'm telling you, I would love. I do love being a servant to God. It is a high calling, and all of us are called. All of us. Luke 4.18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. If we started doing that as a congregation more and more, our society would take notice and they would come into a saving relationship with Christ. We are God's plan. This isn't plan B. This is it. We're the ones. We get to do it. We get to be a part of saving the world. Woo. I've always wanted to save the world, right? We do. Jesus Christ did it on the cross, and we're like his marketing system. All right, go out there. Be a good billboard for me so that people can know who I am and that I went to the cross for them. Now, many of you have been involved with this discovering our new mission statement, our new vision statement. And there's been a lot of conversation about, are we talking about inward or outward, right? I want you to think for a second. This process that I just took you through, it has to be both. And it is both. When we talk about knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, And serving Jesus, it's about getting discipled so that we can go out and share the good news. If we don't know the good news, we cannot share the good news, right? That's what we're called to do. We need to do the inside work so that we can go outside, so that we can serve Christ, so that people can come to know who Jesus is with their whole being, that we can follow him with our whole being. Without discipleship and personal continued growth, no matter what age we are, we don't have much to share with our friends. 
their whole lives could be transformed. And we get to share it with them. Do we have to know everything before we go out? Nope. Guess who grew a whole bunch after she blew it? High school came all came came to be all about following Christ for real, making Jesus Christ the Lord of my life and no longer pretending that he was Lord of my life. We will not be perfect this side of heaven. None of us are. But our friends are watching and they want to have a relationship with Jesus. Again, if they, they, don't, they might not know it yet. But we are created in God's image for relationship. He wanted relationship so much. He was willing to go to the cross for us. We need relationship with Jesus. Now, during communion today is when you can write on the prayer wall. Feel free to write down any prayer that comes to mind, anything that you would like prayer for, for you or for someone else. Once you've written your prayer on the prayer wall, then you can come on up for communion. And as you head back to your seat, I want you to go past the prayer wall one more time. And when you do, I want you to pick at least one person that you're going to pray for. And you can lay your hand right over that prayer request and trace your hand over it as you pray for them. In Scripture, it says that we are to, to lay hands on one another and pray for each other. So this is kind of like a, a virtual way to do it. Um, when we did this the other day uh, at our Ash Wednesday service, it was so powerful to watch as we laid hands on these prayers, but then to watch and go up afterwards. People who had asked for prayer were awestruck that people would come back and pray for them. It's a great way to show someone that you're praying for them. As we come to the table today, I want you to remember that we are all neighbors. We in this room live in close proximity to one another. This is our community. These are the fellow disciples of this church. We are coming together like the 12 disciples did on the night he was betrayed. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Many will journey far from east and west, from north and south, and sit at table with the kingdom of God. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust in him to share in the feast that he has prepared. Jesus is here. He's inviting us to know him. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said that their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. As we're in this season of Lent, we are doing the confession, and we are reading it together. So let's read together the confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. 
For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Sisters and brothers, this is food for the journey to which God has called us. Let our lives be nourished by the Lord himself as we celebrate together at this table. Hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as they were delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Lord God, we ask that you would bless these elements, that you would remind us that we are entering into relationship with you deeply when we take these elements together as a congregation. Lord, may we be shaped and transformed even this morning as we take the bread and the cup. Amen.